Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Rabia and Ellen solve the case ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Before we get to the episode, I just want you to know we have a Patreon. Did you guys hear about that before? Yes. And our Patreon listeners are called the Jury Box. So what's up, Jury Box? Yeah, how you doing, Jury Box? But you guys can head over there now if you want to hear part one and part two. It's all there. But there's so much more content there. We have so much fun on the Patreon. Basically, Rabia and I do a bonus little episode. We also just chat about our lives. You can get to know us a little bit better. We have Zoom parties. We have Zoom parties. I love the SpeakPipe episodes. Those are my favorite because I love hearing hearing your voices. So head on over to patreon.com slash Rabia and Ellen and you can join all the fun. And speaking about SpeakPipe, if you want to leave us a message on SpeakPipe, just go to www.speakpipe.com slash solve the case and you can leave us a message or a question or a statement. You can ask Rabia a really personal question. She loves that. Yeah, I love that. And also I want somebody to ask Ellen about why she's always berating me. (laughs) Let's do a whole episode where all Ellen does is berate me. Oh, that's a top tier. That's a $30 a month tier. (laughs) Join us on the Patreon. Let's get to the episode. Hi, Rabia. Hey, Ellen. How you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I just got up from a nap. Rabia, it's 11 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, well, I was up... I was up real super early, okay? I didn't sleep much. So I just I just crashed for 30 minutes. Look, just stop judging me. Ellen. I don't need this toxicity in the morning, okay? You know I'm not a morning person. <laughs> I was like, I just rolled out no, of bed, I right, mean, Ellen? Well, I wake up. I have a kid. It takes me a minute. I'm not fully formed until about 11, you know? So you're getting me at my prime. I already cooked this morning and, and did a little laundry. I don't need it. I don't you. need it. <laughs> I am so excited about our guest. I just said to him in our Zoom before he hopped on, I really feel like I know him now because he's been mm. on my phone. I've been riveted by all of his podcasts and his videos. Yeah, I'm super excited too, because it's a different kind of celebrity guest, Yes, first of all. But also, Ellen, you and I are very happy to go where he lives, what he does. Like, it totally speaks to us. And I think people will be like, just so excited to hear what what our guest has to say. Should we tell them who it is? Yeah, go for it. All right. Today we have on celebrity psychic medium, Jonathan Mark. Hi, Jonathan. Welcome to the show. Hi, everyone. Hi. Do you like going by Jonathan or John? Honestly, either or. I feel like I'm getting yelled at by my parents when they say Jonathan to me. So everyone calls me John. So like whatever you guys want to do. We'll go with John. Question on that. Since you're a Long Island Italian, does it turn Mm -hmm. into Jonathan? Oh, my God. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah. With the accent, too. I get that. I get a little like all these crazy names. I'm probably not going to say because it's so embarrassing. Yeah. But I get all these like names. I'm the I'm one of the youngest in my family, and I have a oh. huge family. Wait, what's your nicknames? I, w- I want to hear some of the nicknames. So my last name starts with an F. So I get called Philly because it's Filiberto is my last name. Oh, okay. Yeah, very uh, Italian or Spanish, yeah. depending how people like view it. And then that's pretty much what I get called is little Philly. I get, I get sunny. I get little baby sun, like things like it. that. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Well, it's unclear. I think at the end of this, Jonathan and I are going to take a 23 and me because mm-hmm. we probably are related <laughs> if we go far enough back. But, probably. <laughs> <laughs> but Jonathan is absolutely fascinating. He's a highly respected psychic medium and he's able to connect his clients with loved ones who have crossed over. Like I said, I've been riveted with his work. And the main thing that we're so fascinated by 
by is his work assisting law enforcement yeah. in solving crimes, including yeah. his thoughts on Gabby Petito, which we'll get to. Yep. Yeah. And his story of how he got to this space is really, really riveting because, John, you didn't know that. I mean, you you knew something was different about you, like very early on, right? So how old were you when you were like, why am I experiencing things people are not experiencing? So it kind of started when I was about three or four. I was at a family party and my mom's sister passed away. And I'm sure like everyone has a family member that passed away and there's pictures and people talk about them, but I was only six months old. So I never really got to like meet her. Oh, when she passed. Yeah. Yeah. When she passed, I was only six months old. So we were at a family party for Easter. I will never ever, ever like hear the end of this story from my family. I'm sh- I've heard you tell it on so many podcasts, yeah, but it's I such a never, great story. Yeah, I'll never hear the end of this story. <laughs> but we were all sitting and my mom has another sister and Susan, my mom, best friends, they lived together from the moment they graduated college to the day that she uh-huh. passed away. So she was with my mom and, you know, like sisters, I'm sure they steal clothes and stuff and that's what they were doing. But there was just one particular like jean jacket, denim jacket that they would steal back and forth. So I'm in front of my grandfather when he was living and my other aunt and my mom was like cooking and I said, Susan's here. And my family was like, oh, like that's cute. Like there's pictures everywhere. We were just Mm -hmm. talking about her. And I kept pulling at my mom's like denim jacket and I kept saying jean jacket. She keeps saying the jean jacket or like some type of jacket. And my mom, she said she like dropped this, the spatula or like the spoon or whatever and like turned white and my grandfather's like what the hell is he talking about mm-hmm. like that so when the service was over I found this out from my mom when, when the service was over everyone went to the cars my mom went to the car turned around walked back in and put the jean jacket in the casket and she was by herself oh. there was no one in the room with her during like after the service and my mom's like that's a jean jacket that we stole back and forth from each other and she's like I wanted her to be warm and she was placed underground mm-hmm. so then my yeah weird do you actually remember what you saw then did you see like what was she talking to you you have a clear memory of that are you too young i do no i actually do because like i would see her frequently and often and it was weird because when i would see her she was wearing different outfits and i would explain the outfit to my mom and they weren't in picture so it's it's not like if you walk through my house it was like a picture of her wearing this outfit and i kept saying like different like outfits and my mom would walk in to her closet pull something out so when I was about eight or 10, I've never told this story before. I kept saying she's wearing a big towel, you know, like a bathrobe. I didn't know what a yeah, bathrobe sure. was, yeah. but I said she's yeah. wearing a big towel and I go, it's like pink and blah, blah, blah. So my mom, again, like slowly just walked into the closet and she walks out and it's a pink bathrobe with rips all over that. She's like, I'll never throw this out because this is what she was wearing before we had to take her to the hospital. Oh my like, God. and then my, and then eventually like, when that stuff continued to happen, I was like, you know, what I'm seeing and stuff is not what everyone is like seeing, feeling, hearing, whatever it is. And, you know, from like New York, Long Island, I wanted to be as normal kind of like as possible. Like I didn't want people to judge me. You know, yeah. I was at an age where I, I cared about what people like really thought about me, but it just kept happening. And as I was going away to college, I asked my mom, I was like, is there any mental illness in the family? And she's like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, I'm still seeing everything, but it's it's like amplified. I told her, I'm like, it's p- different people's stuff, like, but like clear as day and whatever. And my mom's like, there's no mental illness. She goes, I'm going to see a medium. It's, it was John Edwards. Oh, okay. Yeah. And she's like, I'll ask just 
be like, are you mentally ill? Is my kid like, like, should I check him into a hospital? Mm-hmm. So she goes and he is like, no, he has his gift. Like he's not mentally ill. So then at that point it was like validation. And then I kind of continued to do, like I kind of taught myself and everything like that. Yeah. So then you, you're like, I'm just going to lean into this and use it to help people. Yeah. So I was in college, played college lacrosse and I didn't know, you know, I wanted to help people. I was going to do the military. Like that was something I was like passionate about, but then I decided if I can help people in a different way, like this is what I'm meant to do. And so I started doing readings. Like it would be my mom's friend's friends. So people I've never met. Mm -hmm. So like it started where it was just word of mouth and then years go by still word of mouth. And then eventually it kind of like, I started reading like NYPD people. I started reading like all these different types of people. And then that's kind of how I started doing these like unsolved cases with them. Right. Your work with the FBI, because you have worked with the Mm -hmm. FBI to solve cold cases. And of course, you have, I'm sure, a million stories of skeptics or people that aren't open to it. So how Mm -hmm. did that start? Because the FBI, it's like facts, evidence. I'm sure the idea of a medium is just kind of not really, it's kind of preposterous. So how did you get into that world of actually using your gift in, in that capacity? Yeah. So basically law enforcement, attorneys, like engineers, all these people that I read and even like FBI people, like they're skeptics by nature. That's just like how they are. So it's basically how it started was I read a really decorated NYPD sergeant. Like he came in because his wife was like, you need to come in and speak to him as like in the beginning, most of the most of my male clients were their wives or partners. They're like, you need to come in and speak to this guy. I don't care what the heck you say. And then I read him and said some stuff. And then, you know, that he was blown away. Then he introduced me to an FBI agent who was working on the Long Island serial killer case. He was still very skeptic by nature. He brought me a case that wasn't an unsolved case. It was a corporate case where it was like a whistleblower type Mm -hmm. thing. And he's like, if you can solve this, then essentially like, I'll believe like the stuff that you do. Like he was kind of putting me on the spot because like a lot of them were- Testing you. Exactly. A a lot of them were, they wanted to see what I could do first before Mm -hmm. I- before they would even lean into the idea of it. So I helped them with that. And then from there, he just recommended me to all these different people that are that work with like NYPD and the FBI and all these different people for these different like types of cases. And that's kind of how it like started. Have you had a situation other than this? Because this guy was testing you. Yeah. In other situations where, especially with law enforcement, because I mean, come on, law enforcement is like going to be like, get out of our faces. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Where you came in and they were like, holy crap, like you literally changed. Because you would change a person's worldview if you're able to prove this entire realm exists for so many yeah. people just don't believe it, right? Right. Yeah. So there's a couple stories. Like one is there was a really big case, uh, Karina from Howard Beach, that jogger case. Mm -hmm. They believed there was one person and they were like hell bent on it. And they sent me someone for a reading without me knowing me thinking it was just like a, like a normal person. Like I had no idea, but they sent me someone to test me. And when I did that and I helped them kind of find out who it was and because they had they thought it was one person I don't Mm want to like kind of give out like all those details with Mm -hmm. like that but I said no it's blah 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 this is the name I'm getting that's a that's a that's a closed case though right yeah yeah no this happened years ago because they thought it was they thought it was someone in her family they thought it was his uncle or her uncle or something and I kept saying no it's 
and I described and wow. said the name and all that stuff. But like they tested me in the sense of sending me someone that I thought was like, oh, it's a 730 appointment. Like I'm going to sit down, mm-hmm. have my Gatorade mm-hmm. and like do this. And then that's when they're like, okay, there's something to this. Right. They're like, I'm yeah. not, because a lot of them are still like, we don't understand how you do this, but there's something to it. Like right. they just don't get it. And I don't get it either. I can't even give him an explanation of like how it is. So I wish I could. With that, with kind of the law enforcement testing you and and something you said earlier about wives bringing their husbands. I'd love you to make a blanket statement here. Do you find that (laughs) women are just more accepting of this gift to hear you out? Because I don't know. I I think that that is kind of like a stereotype. But do you see that in your work? So in the beginning, I did. Mm -hmm. I have to be honest. In the beginning, I... I've noticed more women were coming. I guess now it's 50-50. Mm-hmm. I have men and women. Like it's like equally 50-50 with like, you know, the readings I do. I've noticed and I I guess this is just like what I have and like notice it could be different for everyone. But during COVID and after like, you know, everything calmed down, I've noticed more men have been open because they've suffered like severe mm-hmm. loss and stuff. So I think before that, they probably it would probably be like 70-30 women. Mm-hmm or 80-20 women. And now it's like really right down the middle, like 50-50. I've also noticed too, every ethnicity, religion, whatever, is like some believe in it more so than others. Some believe in it more so in the afterlife and the reincarnation of things. Oh yeah. I mean, Eastern cultures, all Eastern cultures are very focused on the next life. Like all Eastern cultures. I I wanted to be like- Hindus, Buddhists, Muslims, like we're all like- we believe want, in all of it. <laughs> right. I wanted to be like politically correct. I didn't want to say anything like wrong. No, no. But like they 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 are the, the most Europeans open. The Europeans are tough, man. The Europeans are very Oh like- my god. I've read <laughs> Russian military people. Like I've read all like and this was years ago, like like years, like ex-Russian people. I've read wow. Italians that were tough, Scottish. Like you name it, I've read them. And those people were by far the hardest people. They just like came in, I'm, I want to say it's respectfully, like with like an attitude, but they waited to like speak. Like kind of closed me. to, yeah. Yeah, it, yeah. which was interesting because they waited a while to talk to me, but they came in with like such like an attitude mm. versus when I read people from like India, they come in like, and they're so gracious and happy and like, they want to hear like what's going on mm. and like with their family. So I kind of like- yeah. enjoyed reading. I just imagine when you're reading an Italian, there's like 8,000 other Italians in the room behind them that they can't see. It's not like just one person. Yeah. It's like the entire five generations are standing behind them arguing. I Still, yeah. Yeah. would love you to read like my Uncle Anthony and be like, who's this fucking guy? I, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just give me a fucking reading. All right, big shot. Yeah, give me a fucking yeah. reading. And then five minutes later, he'll be a puddle on the floor. He'll be like, oh, this guy's Yeah. Fine. <laughs> I read a lot of those, like, Staten Island Italian people. Mm. They'll come and same thing. They'll be like, yeah, let's see what the fuck this guy can do. Yeah. Like, they come in with the pinky ring and the gold chain. They're like, let's see what this fucking <laughs> idiot can do. Like that. And then at the end, they're, like, hugging me and, like, squeezing me. They're like, you know, all this stuff. And, you know, I do... This sounds, I guess, weird, but I guess it's, like, the prior, like, athlete in me. It's like, I like when my back is against the wall when it comes to, like, cases, readings, whatever it is, because it makes me... Perf- like, there's more pressure for me to perform at a higher level mm-hmm. like that. So, when those guys coming with that attitude i do get a little like you know all right like let's go like i'm ready to do this like you know like a challenge like, and the validation must be incredible it, yeah the validation after it is and it's, yeah. it just makes me feel good like you know when they're like they hug me they're crying and they're like dude like 
what the hell? Like, yeah. what was this? Like, yeah. you know, so. So Ellen and I are not going to get a reading done now. We might later, but I yeah, have just no, one question for you, John. Yeah. And that is this. Am I alone right now? Is there someone with me? Someone recently passed. So no, you're not alone. You have someone who just passed like within like less than a year or something like that. Okay. Yeah. Right. I'm, I'm going to stop right there because I don't want to cry. Rabia, do you read reviews for businesses online? Oh, heck yeah, of course. I read reviews for everything, Mm -hmm. but I have to tell you, the number one thing that has been so hard in moving to a new town is finding new doctors. For me, for my daughter, GP, OBGYN, ZocDoc came to the rescue. Yep. ZocDoc is the only free app that lets you find and book doctors who are patient-reviewed. They will take your insurance, and they're available when you need them, and they treat almost every condition under the sun. And those reviews are so important. I read every single one of them. The app is free, which is amazing, and and millions of users use it. So you can find the right doctor that meets your needs, also fits your schedule. Because if you need to go to a doctor and they're like, yes, absolutely, we have an appointment in four months and two weeks, come on by. Right. And have you done that thing where you call doctors, they're like, well, we don't take that insurance or we don't need, like now you can do it on an app in seconds. Amazing. And they do all of that work for you. It is so helpful and it is so reliable. Go to ZocDoc.com slash solve the case and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash solve the case. ZocDoc slash solve the case. Let them do all of that hard work for you. It's springtime. We're rolling into summer. There's like picnics happening and barbecues and all kinds of things are happening in my social world. And the last couple of weeks when I had to go to a pot, like you and I made. Tell me. I made charcuterie boards full Mm -hmm. of goodies from nuts.com. Oh, yeah. It is a one-stop shop. You got your roasted nuts, your dried fruit, your sweets, Mm -hmm. pantry staples, all kinds of stuff. And I love to bring a charcuterie as well. It is just the best. They have chocolate-covered espresso beans. They have everything you could possibly imagine for snacks and to make sure you don't show up to a party (laughs) empty-handed. And I gotta say, I've never gotten compliments on my dried fruit before. People are like, these are the plumpest dates and apricots we've ever had. (laughs) Nuts.com has an incredible selection. There is something for everybody. They've got gluten-free options, organic choices, whether you want something sweet, savory, or just want to stock up on everyday essentials. You're going to find something to try. They've been around since 1929. They do it the old-fashioned way, and there's something really cool about that. So right now, Nuts.com is offering new customers a free gift with purchase and free shipping, my favorite, on orders of $29 or more at Nuts.com slash solve the case. So go check out all the delicious options at nuts.com slash solve the case. You'll receive a free gift and free shipping when you spend $29 or more. That's nuts.com slash solve the case. Well, I know our listeners are going to be thrilled, fascinated, and glued to their headsets that you have chosen this case because this is a case that, for whatever reason, we'll get into it, it consumes people. And I Mm. think the curiosity of it, the lack of facts, and the Mm. lack of answers. And Jonathan chose to dive in and talk about the case of the mysterious death of Elisa Lamb. So, Jonathan, we do a little crash course for our listeners just to kind of all get on the same page and then we'll talk about it. Cool. Yeah, my manager picked this one for me. Oh, okay. (laughs) 
Oh, yeah. okay. Oh, yeah, the right. manager really wants to hear about this case. <laughs> yeah, he said it's close to home. I'm assuming it's California-based if because he's in L.A. It yes. Yeah. So yeah. he's like, it's close to home. Everyone around us wants to hear this. And he's like, he saw the list that you guys like sent. And he's like, this is the one you're doing. <gasps> Selfishly, he said. Oh, I, have wow. the, I have the conversation on my phone. What do you yeah. know about it? Do you know anything about it, though? The only thing I know about it that is that it happened in a quote-unquote like haunted hotel. I know mm-hmm. that in downtown L.A. And I know that she, because it's a girl, I know that, mm-hmm. like her name's Elisa mm-hmm. and she drowned or something. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. well, but I don't know. I don't know the circumstances that surround it, but okay. my manager told me those stuff. So like, that's what okay. I know. You might be <laughs> the only person who listens to this conversation who doesn't know this story. This is so exciting. <laughs> yeah, I try to stay away yeah. from all those cases. Okay, just like, good like though, because I, I can't wait to hear your first impression and thought. Okay, great. So the yeah. crash course is for you, John. The crash yes, course is you. just for you. <laughs> thank you. Yes, thank you. <laughs> We've talked about cases in the past that would be our worst nightmare as parents. There are unfortunately too many of them. And today's case falls squarely in that category as well. What parent doesn't want to see their kids spread their wings and fly as they enter young adulthood. That's what we all want, that our children grow increasingly independent and get a chance to live their best lives, get a good education, be surrounded by loving people, and get out to see the world. The last part though, getting out to see the world, that last part is where I hesitate as a parent. I still can hear my father's voice in my head from decades ago telling me that he trusted me, he just didn't trust the world around me. And when I look at my kids, I feel the same way, which is why I'm not sure I'd let them travel without me. But to what extent? Until they're 16, 18, what about 21? Science tells us clearly now that a young person's brain doesn't stop developing until the age of 25. But for all intents and purposes, society regards anyone over 18 as a fully functioning adult. And when society considers you adult, you'll demand your parents do too. Which might be why the family of 21-year-old Canadian Elisa Lam agreed to let her make a solo trip to California in 2013, despite her history of struggling with mental illness. Elisa was a student at the University of British Columbia, described by those who knew her as a kind, caring person who was level-headed, empathetic, and straight-laced. Unfortunately, though, Elisa had a few starts and stops in her college career, having to drop out of class because of self-described relapses in her mental health. Elisa was diagnosed with bipolar disorder and depression and was on a number of medications to treat both, including Welbutrin, Lamotrigine, Dexedrine Spansol, Venaflaxine, and the antipsychotic medication Quetiapine. While her family reported that Elisa never had suicidal ideation, she did give a history of not always taking her meds, resulting in terrifying hallucinations that drove Elisa to hide under her bed, and she was once hospitalized during such an episode. In 2010, Elisa started a blog called Etherfields, where she often posted about fashion, but also was very open about her depression and self-loathing and expressed worry about the effects these issues were having on her education, once saying that she felt so, quote, utterly directionless and lost. The blog, which can still be found online, had the following epigraph, a quote by the author Chuck Palahniuk, you're always haunted by the idea you're wasting your life. I can't help but wonder if Elisa knew that she was in the same boat as most young adults, feeling a bit confused of the future. Nonetheless, it was clear that she wanted her life to be full and meaningful. She chided herself constantly for being lazy and unmotivated and falling behind her peers in life progress. Maybe that was what prompted her to book a train and bus trip from her hometown of Vancouver to California all by herself in 2013, a trip she was very excited about and posted about on her Tumblr blog, Nouvelle Nouveau, a trip she would not return home from. Elisa arrived in LA on January 26, 2013, and two days later, she checked herself into the Cecil Hotel. She might not have been aware of the Cecil's shady path 
past and seedy present. It was an establishment that was frequented by less than savory characters and was notorious for violence and death on its premises, with dozens of documented murders and suicides in its history. In the Netflix series Crime Scene, The Vanishing at the Cecil Hotel, a former manager stated that there had been around 80 deaths at the hotel in the 10 years she worked there. The Cecil Hotel has definitely earned its nickname, Hotel Death. At first, Elisa was booked into a shared room at the Cecil with two other roommates. But after her roommates complained about erratic behavior from her, the hotel management moved her to her own room. Apparently, Elisa had been leaving the other girls notes that read, go away and go home, and sometimes locking them out of the room. Now, throughout her travels, Elisa had been keeping in touch with her family, calling them every single day to check in and even posted pictures from her trip on social media. One of the places she posted from was a taping of the Conan O'Brien show. But according to reports, she had in fact been escorted from the premises for being disruptive. Her last social media post before she disappeared was made on January 29th, and it read, I've arrived in La La Land, and there is a monstrosity of a building next to the place I'm staying. When I say monstrosity, mind you, I'm saying it's as in gaudy. Then again, it was built in 1928, hence the Art Deco theme. So yes, it is classy, but then since it's LA, it went on crack. Fairly certain this is where Baz Luhrmann needs to film The Great Gatsby. The last time Elisa was seen alive was on January 31st, 2013, when both hotel staff and staff from the aptly named The Last Bookstore saw her alone. That was also the day Elisa was supposed to check out of the Cecil Hotel, and it was the first day during her trip that she failed to call her parents. When the police were alerted about her disappearance, they searched the entire hotel, Elisa's room and belongings, and even brought in tracking dogs, but were unable to locate any trace of her. By this time, Elisa's family had flown in from Canada to join the search, and they stood in the background as authorities held the press conference. On February 13th, nearly two weeks after her disappearance, police released a video of Elisa from the day that she disappeared that left people haunted and confused. The two and a half minute video was surveillance footage taken from inside side from one of the hotel's elevators, and it showed Elisa acting clearly erratic. The elevator doors remained open as Elisa hit all the buttons, jumped in and out of the elevator, gestured wildly and as if she was speaking to someone in the hallway outside, and then pressed herself in a corner of the elevator as if she was hiding from someone. While the police released the footage hoping it would bring forth information from the public to help find her, instead the video fueled a host of theories about her behavior. Was she being threatened? Was someone following her? Were there paranormal forces? at play? Was it something evil in hotel death that got her? Was she under the influence of drugs? Online sleuths noticed the footage had been slowed down and the time and date stamp were unclear. So did the police alter the tape? Was there a cover-up? Despite the many theories, releasing the footage didn't get the police any helpful leads. They still had no idea where Elisa disappeared to after exiting the elevator on the last day she was seen. As the days ticked by though, and the search in and around the hotel continued, guests began complaining to management about issues with the water in their rooms. Some reported the water looking murky and tasting off. Others complained about low water pressure. The complaints prompted an investigation of what was going on with the water tanks on the roof of the hotel. When hotel worker Santiago Lopez went to check the tanks on the morning of February 19, 2013, he discovered the hatch open on top of one tank. And inside the thousand gallon tank, he found Elisa. She was deceased, 
naked and floating on her back. Her shoes and clothes, the same clothes she was wearing in the elevator footage, were in the tank with her. Strangely enough, the clothing was covered in what the autopsy referred to as a sand-like substance. The medical examiner found no trauma to Elisa's body, no sign of a struggle or that she had been bound, no sign of internal injuries, and no sign of sexual assault or trauma. The cause of death was simply noted as drowning, and on another line that read, other conditions contributing to but not related to the immediate cause of death. The medical examiner wrote bipolar disorder. The official conclusion of the authorities was that there was no foul play involved in Elisa's death. Rather, Elisa had suffered a psychotic episode due to her bipolar disorder and entered the water tank on her own, not likely realizing that she wouldn't be able to get out. However, that conclusion hasn't stopped many thousands obsessed with this case from believing that there is much, much more to the story. Let's talk about it. Tell the listeners what I'm holding in my hand right now. You're holding your white liquid IV water bottle. It is full of liquid IV. Liquid IV is proper functional hydration, and it's an essential in my life. I don't know about you, because one stick can hydrate you two times faster than water alone. I mean, I literally am just waiting for anybody to slightly mention that I'm a little tired. I think I have a headache. I'm a little dehydrated. I'm like, wait. Hold on, right there. I rush into my pantry and I'm like, what flavor would you like? Well, there's 12 flavors. I love mm-hmm. pina colada, Concord grape. Mm-hmm. My neighbor loves the watermelon. The pineapple will give you a real, real jump. I love it all. It's got five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and vitamin C, and three times the electrolytes of sports drinks. It's just made with all quality stuff. No GMOs, no gluten, no dairy, no soy. Not only are they doing good for our bodies, they're doing good for the world. Liquid IV believes that equitable access to clean and abundant water is a foundation of a healthier world. So they partner with leading organizations to fund and foster innovative solutions around the world that help communities protect their water. They have donated to date 39 million servings in 50 countries around the world. Real people, real flavor, real hydrating. Grab your Liquid IV in bulk nationwide at Costco, or you can get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code SOLVETHECASE at checkout. That's 20% off anything when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code solve the case at liquidiv.com cerebral is here for anyone that is looking for help with their mental health it doesn't matter where you are in your journey it doesn't matter where you are in the world because it's done entirely online cerebral is a 100% online mental health service that offers therapy and medication management for anxiety depression insomnia stress burnout and more you don't have to wait to be seen 80% of the members see a provider within 5 days and i have to tell you i never thought i would be into online therapy and here i am now now preferring it. I like being in my own space. I just feel more comfortable. And online therapy has been the way I've done it for the past couple of years. Same. Ever since COVID, all my therapy has been online. And a service like Cerebral makes it affordable. They are one third the price of traditional therapy. They have options that are available with or without insurance. And it's in network with several insurers. And you know that with in network, your monthly cost is even lower. And 50% of Cerebral's clinicians self-identify as people of color. So I think it's really admirable how important it is to Cerebral to have the diversity so that everyone can get the treatment that they deserve. And for Mental Health Awareness Month this May, you can get an exclusive 50% off your first month of therapy by going to Cerebral.com slash solve the case. 
That's Cerebral.com slash solve the case for 50% or more off your first month of therapy. For quality mental health care that's accessible and affordable, join Cerebral today. How you feeling right now about this, John? Any initial thoughts? Well, as you guys were talking, I was obviously like kind of so into the story because I'd never heard it to that extent. Obviously, my manager only told me a couple things about it. But so I tapped in like as you guys were talking because I wanted to see definitely manic episode Mm. it's like a huge manic 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 episode and it's interesting that the one part that i really looked into when you said was the paranormal things of like that hotel when she was like put herself in you said the elevator or the corner of the elevator she was hallucinating like a lot Mm. and she was running away from what i want to say what you call like like an evil spirit Mm -hmm. is the best way Mm. she she thought someone from what I see, it just looks like it was a manic episode and she was hallucinating and she wanted to go into hiding. But I also see too, which is interesting, which I don't, I'm sure you guys know way more about this than I do. The path, how she got from what I'm seeing, the path, how she got to the tank seems interesting. It doesn't seem like it was a direct, like open the door. Cause what I keep seeing is like roof, like, and then come in, like something where it's not a typical path to the tank. So that I find a bit interesting. You know, let me ask you this. this is, it just occurred to me as you were saying this, yeah. because one of the things that I talk about in the hidden gin is about how people like you have mm. kind of a thinner veil between this world and the yeah. next, like you're able to perceive things. Right. And for some of, for, for some folks, like, and, and for me, it's even if I, be, though I believe in it, it's kind of thicker. I wonder, do you think people with disorders like bipolar disorder or other kinds of mental illness might have like a thinner veil where they might have some psychosis, but also they're able to see things that maybe even you might be able to see, like easier because their veil's thinner. Yeah. I definitely believe that for sure. Like I definitely, like mm. I try to use this like saying when like people ask me, it's like everyone can sing, but not everyone can sing like for Sinatra. So it's mm-hmm. like, we all can do this, but to like a certain extent, and you are right, like some people that maybe, you know, have these issues, their like wall or veil between it is a lot thinner than like other people. So I think that played a part in it. I also think too, I did not know that the Hotel Cecil had that many deaths and murders and things like that in it. Like that to me just also shows that like So energy travels at the speed of light, obviously. And when it's an unsettled case, like a murder or something, a lot of times they'll constantly go back to where things have happened, Mm. but also go back to their family. Mm -hmm. So they'll always go back and forth because like they're still, when I say unsettled, it's just more so like that's the last time they took their breath was at this Mm. place. So they constantly Mm. go back and forth to a place where- unfinished business. Exactly. It's kind of like an unfinished thing for them. So that's also an interesting thing because- Again, the thing that strikes me, and I don't even know how to fact check this stuff, but the path to the tank, that's the thing that kind of like makes me question a lot of things. Yeah, well, let's talk about that because it's interesting you bring that up because there are so many aspects of this case that confuse people because the doors and the stairs to access the roof were locked. They remain locked and only staff would have the passcode and keys, which would bring up an idea that somebody in the hotel was involved. Because if you tried to open the doors, you know, like at any hotel, an alarm would be triggered. So there was a fire escape. The only way she would have been able to get there in order to, to bypass all of the security and the alarms was to go at the fire escape. And interestingly enough, her scent 
was lost near the window that would have connected to the fire escape. I didn't really understand when she is showing me like the path to what she did. Mm. I thought it was, and again, just trying to be honest, like I thought it was her opening a door and going in and just like, you know, having a manic episode. And because what she's also saying to me too is with this manic episode, it's like her hiding from something. So she wanted to put herself into a place where she was able to, I'm assuming a water tank has a cover on it. So you can like, you push the cover over or, but I'm assuming the cover is probably really heavy because most water tanks, you can't just like. Well, this had like a hatch. So it it was, it was, it it was a heavy, it was like, they said 20 pounds, but she can lift 20. Especially if you're somebody who thinks I am like, who's terrified and thinks I'm being pursued by something that's really dangerous. And we know she had a history of hallucinations so terrifying that she'd hide under her bed. Oh, okay. So, I mean, I think that the non-traditional path you're talking about is sounds like I mean, it kind of all adds up when when the dogs lose the scent at the window and, oh, there's the fire escape. And there was a video on the internet that showed that you could get those tanks pretty easy from the fire escape if you wanted to. Oh. And that two of the lids from the water tanks that morning were actually open. There were people who were like, well, how could she have climbed up on it? But, you know, the worker was able to climb up on it. They were huge tanks, but they were like concrete blocks. I mean, there, there were things she could have climbed up on right. and clearly she got inside, right? Right. And now the question is, did somebody put her inside? Did right. somebody push her inside? Did somebody put her there after killing her? Or was she able to just do it herself? It seems from like the footage we've seen that it's not that, it wouldn't have been that hard for somebody. It's not an impossible feat. To what? climb up there and jump in. No, I I agree. I'm I'm sure everyone has the fight or flight thing. And when you have yeah. the fight or flight and you're fearing for your life, you can do things that you typically probably couldn't do just like in general, just like you have superhuman strength too. Yeah, you like are able to like push stuff, mm-hmm. you know, hide and move things that on your best day of being healthy couldn't probably do. Right. And yeah. just when she's coming through and she's running and she's looking behind me and she's putting things and then erasing them, that means it was an hallucination because they Mm -hmm. weren't real. So like when I do these cases and there's, and I read things like people about certain cases and stuff, and they have people that are around them. That means that they were actual real people and they were actually chased, like looking for them, Mm. whatever. But when they start erasing, it either means that they died or they're hallucinating like one of the two and she's putting like a, like three or four and then ar- and then going like this saying like they weren't there. So yeah. mm-hmm. it just looks like it was unfortunately like a manic episode. Like that's yeah. just what it looks like. And she was trying to hide. Right. Our producer Katie is on and Katie's like, I want to make sure you talk about ghosts. And I feel like you're kind of hitting because like, it, like I said, it could have been a combination of both things where right. she is having a psychotic break right. and she's seeing something in that hotel. 100%. Like percent. Yeah, at the same time. Yeah, yeah, the combination of the two. So she did have, let's just really quickly dive into her bipolar. And and it should be said that like many mental health issues, there can be extreme variables between Mm, individuals and even variables. People can have different type of episodes with different manifestations every time. Now, her having a hypomania episode, which she had written in her blog, I found an excerpt from her blog where she says, this is directly from her. Why haven't we evolved to not need sleep? Like we have shit to do and limited time and most of it is spent lying down just breathing. I mean, I can do all the lying down I want when I'm dead. Breathing is so freaking overrated. I should be able to exist in space in a vacuum. I mean, if the bloody moon can do it, why can't I? The moon is just made of cheese anyway. So she actually wrote that in the midst of a hypo manic episode. And 
those episodes, they can do different things to different people. Yeah. Some people go on insane shopping sprees or dye their yeah. hair or get tattoos mm-hmm. or feel yep. invincible. Yeah. But there is also psychotic symptoms that is comparable to a schizophrenic episode, basically. And so I think maybe actually that I didn't think about that, about the haunted nature of the building. Maybe she tapped into that and it kind of was like a combination because Rabia, when you looked at that, because Jonathan hasn't seen the video, but she definitely looks like she's talking to somebody. Oh, yeah. She is gesturing. She is looking around the corner. It looks like she's definitely she thinks she's talking to somebody and then she's definitely hiding because she presses herself in a corner. It's a really freaky video. And and the video footage has a lot of like kind of conspiracies attached. I want to talk about that. But one of the things I want to talk about, which really surprised me when I was kind of researching bipolar disorder because it's much more common to encounter bipolar disorder amongst people than like schizophrenia. And because of that, I always thought of it as like kind of manic and depressive swings. I did not realize how prevalent delusions and hallucinations are in fact both of these disorders in um, schizophrenia and bipolar disorder. So I was looking it up and apparently, according to the NIH, rates of psychotic symptoms in bipolar disorder are actually comparable to schizophrenia. And especially if you're not medicating yourself correctly, And her autopsy report showed that she did have doses of her medication in her system, but they were not the correct dosage. And also a lot of her meds were left in her room. So you, and they were not, you could tell by the number of pills that have been left behind that she was not taking them correctly. So I, I just didn't realize until now that like that, like it's that, like when you think about schizophrenia and of course a lot of this is because like media portrayals and stuff. And I, I I know a few people who suffer from schizophrenia, but like I associate that with hallucinations and psychosis much more than I've ever associated bipolar disorder, but they have comparable rates. What about the clothes ending up in the tank as well? Yeah, because there's some theories on that. Do you have any idea about that, Jonathan? Yeah, I I mean, from what I see, like her psychotic, like type of like thing, she just took her clothes off. Like kind of what you said, like I know people that have severe bipolar and schizophrenia and I just recently encountered someone who like I'm kind of friendly with, not really, it's kind of like through mutual friend who stopped taking his medication and he was a different person and was doing very, Mm. it was just weird seeing it face to face versus like when I saw him being medicated versus him not taking his medication the proper way, the drastic change of who he was. And it was like two weeks apart. It wasn't that crazy far apart, but the way that I'm seeing it, she just like kind of took it all off and just went in like to the tank. So what the authorities think is, and I this this kind of makes sense. So there's apparently this thing called paradoxal undressing. Again, according to the NIH, when a person is suffering hypothermia, like let's say you get stuck like in the woods and it starts yeah. snow. You know what I mean? There are two things at the end that happen. And when I say the end, I mean like literally right before they're about to die. They do something called burrowing where they'll start, a person will start just from the hypothermia, start burrowing into the ground as much as they can. And maybe right. that's an instinct to try to get warm. But the other thing they'll do is paradoxal undressing. They'll actually start removing their clothes. Mm-hmm. And, for, and that's usually right before like they're about to go unconscious and die. And I don't, there's a scientific reason behind it. And I don't know this, I don't understand the science behind it, but it's not uncommon to find victims of hypothermia, who have died from hypothermia, having removed all their clothes or some of their clothes. And that always ends up making authority think, oh, a crime's taken place here. This person was attacked and somebody sexually assaulted them. But 
there is a thing called paradoxal undressing. And so these water tanks were not heated water tanks. And we have no idea, I think, how long she was in there. But if she was in there long enough and couldn't get out, because there's no way to get up out of the tank, she might have suffered just from hypothermia. Yeah, the water was 54 degrees. And the three stages of hypothermia, Mm. mild, moderate, and then obviously when delirium sets in. And that only brings your body down to 86 degrees. And that's when the lack of oxygen can happen. And it can only Mm. sometimes take as little as 15 minutes in that water. I'm obviously she wasn't in her right mind. I'm wondering if that was her hiding spot, if she thought there was water in there because maybe it was dark and she couldn't, you know, see. This is why people are so fascinated with this case, because you could make a whole separate conversation that she was murdered somewhere else. She was sexually assaulted. But here's the interesting thing. They labeled her death a drowning, but she did not have water in her lungs. And she oh, was really? face up. So she had to have died of hype. Are victims of drowning always found face down? Is that is that why? No, that I thing? mean, but they, they do always have water in their lungs. She did not have mm. water in her lungs. So she passed away from like the hypothermia stuff. Like when if she hit it and then when she passed, she just rolled on her like the way that she passed away. Like she rolled on her back. Maybe that could be why she didn't mm-hmm. have the water in her lungs. But I would assume that if she's hypothermia mm. and she's struggling, she would probably drown because it's like you're trying to get yourself warm or it could be she was so cold she didn't know, like. Yeah, I wonder, would they have put hypothermia as a cause of death or would they still consider it drowning because she was in a right. body of water? I don't know. But that makes sense. If she was on her back, yeah. the, the water didn't get in her lungs. Right. That makes sense. Well, I don't want to stop, but I think this is a good place to stop for part one of this episode with psychic medium Jonathan Marks. This could easily have been a like four hour recording session because there's so many things I want to talk to him about. I think we have to have him back just for me. I don't care about anybody else. Just for me. I have so many questions. We absolutely will. If you are on the Patreon, you can go straight ahead and listen to part two right now. Mm -hmm. And if you're on the regular feed, you can listen to part two tomorrow, wherever you get your podcasts. Till then we'll see you later